What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Donks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Socks. I'm your host, Sam. Today, we are trying to predict five future storylines so that we can invest ahead of time and capitalize once those stories arrive. Uh, let's get right into it. Okay, so we all know by now that oftentimes what ends up driving these players' markets are the, the storylines, are the media, are the hype that's built on Twitter and elsewhere. The problem is that once those things start to hit, we see their markets ratcheting up. And if we're buying then at the peak, we're probably just going to be losing money. So the goal today is to try and predict five different storylines that I think are going to be happening later. So today I'm putting on my, my best Chris Berman, the Schwami impersonation, uh, going to be trying to think future-wise and figure out what's gonna happen in the next month or two months or three months or even maybe even a couple of years. The first storyline that I'm trying to preempt is actually one that's burning up the hot stove at the moment, uh, which is why I'm putting it up here in the front of the video. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to this on the podcast, this obviously won't matter, but if you're watching on YouTube for each of these five guys, I have a storyline index running across the bottom. I call it that simply because I don't know what else to call it. Basically, the idea is there's that little orangish segment that's on the left side that you can see on the screen as it moves from left to the right. That's my way of showing you how far off I think the peak of these storylines are. So right off the bat, we have Kevin Porter Jr. of the Houston Rockets, formerly of the Cleveland Cavaliers. The peak of his storyline is actually hitting right now, in my opinion. And that's not to say that the talk can't accelerate from here. But as far as this whole season has gone, the talk around him has really hit a fever pitch just lately. Pulling up the chart, we're looking at his 2019 Prism Silver PSA 10 rookie card. Going back to just the beginning of 2021, this car has risen in value 133%. Of course, many of you already know all about KPJ. He started off the season as a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, although he did not actually unite with the team until January 15th. That was just about a month or so into the regular season. Uh, that was due to some of the off-the-court issues that he'd had during the past offseason. Unfortunately, that evening when he got back together with his team, he got into what has been called a screaming match with team officials, uh, also reportedly threw some food in the locker room, after which he was told to clean out his locker. He was then traded to Houston just a week later after the out outburst. Uh, he spent time in the G League, mostly, I think, just to try and get his life straightened out a bit. Uh, tore up the G League, really, for a few weeks. And then on March 11th, he saw his first regular season action of the season as a member of this barren Houston Rockets organization. Three games in, uh, he's played very well, even though in his, his minutes came in three losses so far. He started with 13 points, five rebounds, 10 assists, three steals, and a block against Sacramento. The next game was his best so far, coming against the Utah Jazz. That was with 27 points, three rebounds, eight assists, one steal, and two blocks. And then just last night, and this is this is Monday as I'm recording, so, so Sunday night, he had a rough shooting night against Boston, but he put in a decent showing with 11 points, two rebounds, and seven assists. Uh, he started out hot with all 11 points in the first quarter, but then he kind of got into foul trouble, which kept him from keeping up any sort of momentum throughout the rest of the game, and he stuck at 11 points by the end of it. 
Now, these are the types of performances that we can expect from Kevin Porter Jr. Going back to last year, he, he had a bit of an uneven workload throughout the season as the Cavs were trying to juggle several young guards on the roster, all of who needed playing time to develop. But in the games where Kevin Porter Jr. saw the court for at least 25 minutes, he averaged 15 points, four rebounds, three assists, and a steal while hitting 35% of his shots from downtown on three attempts. Three on five three-point attempts per game. Again, those were the games in which he saw the court for 25 minutes or more. That all came in a complementary role. He played 24% of his possessions at shooting guard. The other 76% of his possessions came at small forward last year. So far in the small three-game sample this year, he's played 94% of his possessions as the nominal point guard, the other 6% coming at shooting guard, and that's all estimated by basketball reference. With the ball in his hands, He's been very productive so far, especially considering he just came off of a long layoff. Now, if you watched my videos or listened to my podcast last year, uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, but if you did, you might remember that I've always been extremely high on him. In fact, I, I went back and looked and I counted up and I guess I, I mentioned him 11 different episodes last season, which honestly, probably too much. But I love the all around game that he brings. I really like his on court potential. And none of that changes moving forward. And in fact, the on court potential looks a lot rosier now that he he's one of the only actual NBA players on the court for the Houston Rockets. I expect him to be putting up some really impressive stat lines all along the way. And for that reason, there's probably a good amount of hype that's left to be built around him from this point on. Now, all that being said, there is a bit more risk to any KPJ investments than most other comparable players, and that's because of all the off-court stuff. And I really, really hope that he's able to put a lot of his off-court issues behind him, not just because he's a great basketball player, but because I want him to have a peaceful life just like the rest of us want to have for ourselves. But the off-court troubles have all become a recurring theme over the past few years, and I don't want to make light of any of this. It is, it is all very serious stuff. He had a tough upbringing with a lot of early life troubles to overcome, uh, which at such a young age, obviously extremely difficult. Uh, as he grew up, he was recruited, very highly recruited out of the city of Seattle. He's a five-star shooting guard, now the number one ranked player in the, in the state, I believe. He ended up going to USC. While he was there, he missed 12 out of 33 games, several of them went with an injury, but several others of them after being suspended for an undisclosed off-court conduct issue. Uh, he had the talent to be a high-end first-round pick in last year's draft, but he ended up slipping to the final pick in the first round due to a lot of the red flags that were being raised off the court. Then this past offseason, there was a, an alleged domestic violence claim against him in August. No formal charges were filed, and he's denied the allegations, so that could certainly be nothing at all. Um, but then in November, he ended up crashing his car on an Interstate 76. It was during the middle of the night. He had a, there was a loaded 45 that was found in the car. He faced an ongoing legal battle over all of that. He did end up escaping indictment, so that was good for him. Uh, and then we had the incident in the locker room when he returned to the Cavs, uh, which stemmed from his locker being moved. And, and the Cavs decided the juice just wasn't worth the squeeze, and they ended up trading to Houston for really not much of anything. All along the way, he's had coaches that have said he's a, he's a great player, he's a good kid, he just needs some guidance, and I really hope that he gets that in Houston. Now, former NBA player and, and former head coach John Lucas is on the Rockets coaching staff. Uh, he's long been extremely well regarded around the league when it comes to guiding young players, and he's probably exactly the guy that Kevin Porter Jr. needs in his life at this moment, and I'm really hoping that he can help him become the player and the person that he can be. So I'm sure most of this is, is pretty much just old news to everyone here. 
but it needs to be brought up because we are considering investing our money in Kevin Porter Jr. cards. You know, anytime you invest your money in, in sports cards or in a stock or in cryptocurrency and NFTs, you should always have the mindset that you're putting your money at risk. And, and like it or not, due to everything else revolving around Kevin Porter Jr., there's just a bit more risk involved. So this is the way I see it. And we've seen a lot more excitement around Kevin Porter Jr. over the past few weeks, as you can see from the chart, you know, just really accelerating of late. And I do expect that excitement to continue building in the coming weeks and maybe even the coming months. He's just a very good player. He's on a team where he's going to get plenty of opportunity to just fill up the box score. So you could preempt some of that hype and buy right now and probably see some pretty quick returns on your investment. Or if you're uncomfortable with the level of risk, this would be a good time to sell, in my opinion. And we've seen a rather large jump in prices over such a short period of time. So you could move on and be happy with whatever profit you make if you are currently holding. Uh, but that decision is entirely yours to make based on your your risk tolerance. Next storyline up for discussion might not be super exciting for many of you. But if your investing budget is a bit smaller, I'm looking at Bruce Brown of the Brooklyn Nets. This is a storyline that I would expect to pop up more in the next month or so. So if things break the way that I think they might, I believe we'll start seeing a lot more talk around Bruce Brown as we near the end of the regular season and then get into the playoffs. Looking at the chart, we're looking at his 2018 Prism Silver PSA 10 rookie cards. Uh, there haven't been a whole ton of sales, which doesn't really come as a huge surprise. Just 10 auctions and buy it nows combined uh, that have been completed on eBay since the beginning of the new year. The most recent sale came as a best offer on February 27th. That went for $150, which represents a 192% increase since just the middle of January. And the reason I like Bruce Brown as a future storyline to track is because of his position on the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, we all know the, the big three that they have out there in KD, Kyrie, James Harden, maybe the best collection of offensive talent we've ever seen on an NBA team. But you know what? Journalists just can't talk about the same three players every single night. You know, that gets boring. They need to sell papers. They need to get clicks. Uh, you've maybe heard it said that journalists like reporting after losses much more than they do after wins because it's just much easier to create content on a frustrating loss. You get better sound bites. You get better quotes from coaches and players than you will after a normal win. It's also just generally tough for a journalist to cover a team with three all-time great offensive players because you just can't tell the same story every night. And that's why we end up seeing guys like Alex Caruso become very popular as he was widely covered on last year's Lakers team. Or think back to the 2008 Celtics team. There's just a lot more fur to the Rajon Rondo coverage than there was for KG, Paul Pierce, or my guy Ray Allen, simply because there was much more that you could write there wasn't much more that you could write about those three, whereas Rajon Rondo's stories hadn't yet been told. So I'm prognosticating here a bit and thinking that as the Nets continue through the season, there's going to need to be a recipient of some of the media adulation outside of the big three. And I think that's clearly got to be Bruce Brown. He's a six foot four, 24 year old guard that was very beloved in Detroit before being shipped out to Brooklyn in that three team trade involving Landry Shamet and Luke Kennard. With a team housing three superstars, they really need role players around the roster that are willing to do all the dirty work. And, and Bruce Brown has done that. He's been the best defensive presence on the team. He started as the super small ball center several times. Again, he's six foot four. He's starting at center. And he's really thrived in that role as the role man in the pick and roll with James Harden. He's tailor made to be the type of role player to get an outsized media coverage, especially as we head into the playoffs. And for that reason, I like him right now as a buy in an attempt to beat some of those storylines. 
Now there are risks involved. You know, for one thing, those storylines just might not come. That's certainly a possibility. Although in all the years that I've neurotically followed the league, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start getting some of that coverage. Now the other risk is that I assume that the Nets are going to be in on basically every single buyout candidate, especially considering that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are essentially on-court GMs at this point. And they've already picked up Blake Griffin. And, and who would be surprised if Andre Drummond or P.J. Tucker or LaMarcus Aldridge also found their way to Brooklyn as well? The team has maybe the best chance in the league of appearing in the finals. They also have the minutes to go around. So if that all happens... Well, then Bruce Brown's just not going to be getting the type of opportunity that he currently is, although he's probably better than all of those guys at this point. But I do believe he would end up losing his current role. And I really think that if the Nets do end up snagging a good chunk of the buyout market, that's really just going to paint the target on their backs all the more so than it already is. And if that happens, Bruce Brown's just not going to end up as anyone's darling. So a bit of a risk, certainly, but I could see good things coming for Bruce Brown if their postseason roster looks exactly as it does right now. Next up, Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies. His storyline should be picking up a lot more steam sometime soon, which would only be good for the Grizzlies. It's all related to his return from injury, and, and the problem is we have no idea when that's going to happen, but it should happen soon. I would think, you know, if you recall, he, he tore his meniscus last August inside the NBA bubble. He was given a three to six month timetable on his return. And now we're at the six month mark. It's been frustrating for Grizzlies fans since there just hasn't been any clear indication of when he'd be able to return. But right now, more than ever, I think his return has to be coming soon. Although I literally have no idea. I've pretty much assumed he was going to be returning soon all season long so far. But the clearest timetable that we've been given was that they were hoping for a post-All-Star break return to the court. And well, obviously, we're at the post-All-Star break right now. So fingers crossed, hopefully it is soon. And without a clear return date and with him being sort of out of sight, out of mind for most people, his Prism Silver PSA 10 rookie card market has slipped 23% since the beginning of the new year. But as we get ever closer to his return, this card should rapidly trend upward once we figure out when that's actually going to be happening. The Grizzlies are currently hovering around 500. They're within spitting distance of the eight seed. When he returns to court, I think most people will remember why he and Ja Morant are one of the more exciting young duos in the league. And, and things should just ramp up from there, assuming he returns to his previously healthy form. So trying to preempt the storyline of his return, good time to buy right now and then capitalize on the, the price increases that I believe are probably just going to be coming in the next month or so. Next up, the third and final guy from the 2018 NBA draft that we're considering today, that's Shea Gilgis-Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not much that I need to talk about due to or regarding his on-court performance. You know, I know I've covered him ad nauseum over the past few seasons. As a 22-year-old, he's pouring in 24 points, five rebounds, six assists, and just about a steal per game. He's hitting 41.5% of his threes on five attempts per game. He's playing good defense, and he's generally just being all around great. Now, the Thunder are not very good, which was always their intention going into the season. And, and they're just much more off the radar than years past because of it. Now, looking at his Prism Silver PSA 10 rookie card chart, this market has been pretty stagnant with a general downward trajectory. It's dropped 14% in price over the past three or so months. Now I'm looking forward to the off season and into next season for his storylines to start picking up. And it all has to do with the upcoming NBA draft. 
We all know that Sam Presti has been absolutely hoarding picks for a while now. They currently are slated to receive the best two of the Houston, Miami, and their own first-round picks in the upcoming draft. Whichever are the best two of those, they get those two. Now, Houston's selection is top four protected. So if Houston ends with one of the top four picks, Oklahoma City doesn't get that one after all, and that means they would end up getting Miami's first, which would be significantly further down the draft board. Houston is currently doing everything that they can to ensure that they get to keep this year's selection. But hear me out on this. The Rockets are currently sitting with the third worst record in the league in a slapping match with the Timberwolves and the Orlando Magic, who are the only two teams with worst records. If, and this is a big if, but if the Rockets stick at their current spot, the way the NBA lottery works, there is a 48% chance that their pick falls between fifth and seventh. In fact, the two single most likely landing spots for their pick, if they are the third worst team in the league, is the fifth slot and the sixth slot, which means the pick would convey. There's a better chance that the pick lands between one and four, 52% overall, and then obviously Houston would keep it, but it's still just about a coin flip that the pick ends up going to OKC. And if that happens, well, then the Thunder would end up holding the fifth pick and the seventh or the fifth and the eighth, you know, something like that in what is a very well-regarded draft. And obviously that would be awesome. And then if it all breaks that way, leading a team that will likely be widely considered as one of the most exciting young teams in the league would be future superstar guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I understand that I just said if about 20 times in a very short period of time. That's the fun thing about trying to dream up these future scenarios. We can kind of think about the best possible uh, situations, even if it doesn't all break that way. I still love Shea, and, and the future is extremely bright in Oklahoma City, so you should be buying anyways. In any case, it's fairly easy to project some big excitement coming out of that team in the next couple of off-seasons as they build their young core up around this young point guard. And then the last storyline, which I have for you today, is, is also the safest of all the plays that I've mentioned so far, and that's because now we're talking about Chris Paul, easily one of the best point guards in league history. I'm looking at storylines and, and media coverage and feelings that should start cropping up much further down the road. Uh, he has been a rather massive trender of late. We're looking at his 2005 Topps Chrome PSA 10 rookie card. His market on this card has jumped 140% since the beginning of 2021. After starting out the year at $1,000 on a best offer accepted price, the most recent sale was another best offer accepted just the other day. Uh, that was at $2,400. Now, at this year's All-Star Game, Chris Paul took the lead from Magic Johnson for the most assists in All-Star Game history, which might not be a huge deal, but it does underscore how good of a point guard he's been for such a long time. Now, obviously, that doesn't come as a shock to anyone. I think we're all on the same page there. He's widely regarded as top 10, maybe even top five guard in, in league history. And that's what this storyline revolves around. He's been great again this year. He's defying father time once more. He's leading the Suns to, to currently the fourth best record in the league. At some point, maybe next year, maybe the year after that, he can't be this good anymore since he is turning 36 years old in May. Entering his twilight years, it wouldn't be a surprise to see his market start to stagnate somewhat. And if that happens, well, then after that, there's going to be a resurgence of support for him as one of the all-time great point guards. And maybe it'll even happen sooner than that. We've seen huge market support for the retired greats lately. You know, people throw out the questions, why is a guy like Zion Williamson worth more than a guy like Tim Duncan? And then the market just naturally corrects itself and they start throwing it their money towards the older guys. I haven't seen a whole ton of that for Chris Paul yet, but right now he's going in about the same range as a guy like John Morant. 
And I can imagine that those questions will start to pop up within the next couple of years. Now, there's very little risk to an investment in Chris Paul. Any of the risk that would be tied to him would be just kind of tied to the overall general health of the sports card market. You know, if the whole market goes down, obviously he would go down too. But as for, you know, on-court performance as a player, uh, there's very little risk because he's already made all of his contributions to the history of basketball. It's already been written in stone. So maybe not as much upside in his market, but I could certainly see a wave of support for him as he nears retirement. And it would probably be just to just get out right in front of that and start buying soon. And maybe wait until the off season when the, the market tends to trend down for a few months uh, and then you can make that purchase. But I would get ahead by a couple of years of these Chris Paul storylines that I do see coming down the pipe. All right, those are my five storylines for you. Uh, if you don't agree with those five, maybe you can think of five more. Maybe you can think of a hundred more. I'm, I'm sure there's basically a storyline for every single guy that you might consider investable. Uh, you know, try and do what I just did, you know, prognosticate. Think about what's coming next for their teams, what's coming next uh, for them as players. Uh, try and beat the storylines. We know what these stories all revolve around just from, from our experience. So if you can try and figure out what's coming next, I think you play your cards right you might be able to make some nice profits by beating the trends. Uh, sound off on what you think about the next big story might be. Send it off in the comments. Send it to me in DM on Instagram. Comment on the Instagram post. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, have a good week.